and welcome to episode 9 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that looks for women and people of colour to fill an unpaid intern role, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Emma and I'm joined by the Stormwing entity himself, Scott. How are you doing this week? I, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> I'm used to leading things. This is very weird. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Emma's kind of basically taken over the the podcast for this week because, well, y- you'll understand when we get to the subject at hand, but... Yeah, it's very weird for me. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm taking it easy in the in the co-host role here today. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, magic wise, I've been getting into a lot of commander this week. I built a pretty good uh, Talran Sky Summoner deck. I'm loving it. I think it's possibly my favorite commander uh, because it's just casting spells, getting value. It sounds pretty good. I've been looking into building a couple of more broken things as well, like some Joyra Eggs decks and maybe. Uh, Siona, Captain of the Pileus, Aura's token combo kind of thing. Um, I approve. But, oh, I've also been playing Gladiator with a few friends on Arena, and I honestly think it might actually be the best format in Magic at the moment, because literally every archetype's playable, and the card pool's growing exponentially because of the huge influx of sets into the platform. And every deck can only have a maximum of one Euro, so... That's great. Yeah. But outside of Magic, I've been playing a lot of Dark Souls because it's around that time of year where I feel I haven't hated myself quite enough lately, so I feel it was due Which a rerun. One? Oh, the original. The original. Yeah. Oh, best original one. and best. Good, good. But I'll probably end up working my way through the three of them. It's been a while since i played Bloodborne, to be honest, so I might have to give that a revisit soon. Yeah, yeah. I've only ever completed it once because none of my friends have a PS4. They all went with Xbox for some strange, bizarre reason. So I don't actually have sure. any friends sure. to come in and, and help because, I don't, honestly, I don't have the time to get good and do it myself. Like, I, I like the co-op part of it where, like, we team up to, to take on a difficult task together and triumph and, yeah, it feels good. But, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't need the bragging rights to say that, like, oh, I'm amazing, I did this all by myself, blindfolded with a dance mat, I don't know, like, whatever crazy people <laughs> doing Soulsborne games do, but how about yourself? You're back. Yes, I'm back, I'm alive, um, <laughs> a lot better now since I had a horrible, horrible ear infection last week, mm. um, feeling a lot more human, I can hear at the left side of my ear, and I don't fall over anymore, so that is really good. In terms of magic, I haven't done a whole lot. And to be honest, I'm on a bit of a break at the moment. Yeah. I've kind of realised since COVID has happened that I really prefer playing my magic in a paper environment. Mm. And with COVID at the moment, that's very difficult. Magic Online and Arena are fine, but it doesn't replicate what I enjoy about magic, which is the gathering. Yeah. My LGS is looking to do some events in the future, but I don't know if I'm comfortable going in with a, in a covid environment at the moment mm. so yeah. i've taken a bit of a break and i've jumped back into warhammer and model painting again nice and it's been an absolute blast good stuff good stuff you're not quitting magic on me now are you no i'm not <laughs> quitting magic it's just taking a, a taking a break so i'm still writing still doing the cast and whatnot <laughs> it's just in terms of in terms of playing i'm just playing a lot less and focusing on other stuff that i enjoy like warhammer and model painting it's just really good to have some disconnect from social media and do something different for a while yeah. also scott you have a big announcement i hear yeah well uh, big enough yeah yeah i guess um i have now officially moved to card kingdom so i'm now a regular writer <gasps> every second tuesday at card kingdom where i do budget stuff mostly mostly writing about pioneer um, and modern and a little bit of popper and dabbling around with the other formats and stuff but mostly pioneer and modern and the first article as we're recording it's sunday so by the time you're actually listening to this it will be live since tuesday so you can go over to card kingdom and check out my debut article with them there well, so. it means we're rivals now though yeah well i mean like we weren't we weren't writing for the same people before so we were technically um, rivals then too but now we're just really rivals yeah. oh we yeah, were super rivals because we write for two competitive retailers in america mm. that sell magic cards and um, you know congrats it's finally deserved thank you thank you but now like you said we have a proper rivalry so this is like this is anime level right here oh yeah this is like top 10 anime portrayals <laughs> it's on budget off let's go <laughs> let's have a cheap off <laughs> <laughs> but what else what else has happened this week apart from apart from me moving over to as as you would call it the enemy so this week we are starting to see Zendikar Rising previews mm. because who loves a good preview season? Because you know preview season is non-stop, and mm. we've uh, we've seen two cards: um, Jimmy Wong and Becca Scott 
preview two cards this week, yes. which is the new Nahiri and the new Jace. And they look quite interesting. I think the biggest takeaway from those previews is that Jace has a mechanic attached to it, so he mm. has kicker. So you can pay extra mana and he does this extra thing, which is quite cool. Yeah. I noticed Amazonian said that uh, she's always wanted to kick Jace, so this, this works out I mean, a for... lot of people want to kick Jace. So. <laughs> The only thing I actually have to say about these Planeswalker cards, uh, Nahiri's Boros, I genuinely just don't really have a whole lot to say about it because it's pretty much nothing I'll ever normally play. Sorry to any Boros or Jeskai players out there. My apologies, but let's stay in my corner. Nice is it mage over here. But the Jace, I don't have anywhere in particular that I think it's going to go or anything, but I, what I will say is I am very happy with the design. Very, very happy with the design. It's pretty okay early. It's pretty decent late. And it can't win the game by itself. It's a utility card. And in my opinion, utility cards shouldn't be able to also win the game. It should just be able to do a bunch of other smaller things, which is exactly what this does. So I really, really like it. Yeah, I quite like Nahiri. It'd be interesting to see her in standard because she goes quite well for Embercleave. Yeah. Um, And and that's going to be around for some time. Um, in modern, I think she'd be quite good in the Boris Hammer deck as like a sideboard option. Mm. So if you're against uh, like a really grindy deck and you have to slow down, Nahiri has a really good plus one where she makes a one one, yeah. and you can attach equipment to it. So essentially, that that plus one reads make a one one and attach a ten ten equipment to it. It yeah. seems pretty good. It kind of lines up well with what the strategy wants to do. Um, four mana might be a little bit on the expensive side, but I can definitely see it as as like a sideboard option against really slow. Control yeah, like particularly, yeah, like like you said, if if your opponent's trying to jun them out, and you're just there with a yes. bunch of hammers, like, yeah, I think Nahiri will definitely come in handy there. Agreed. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm looking forward to the previews. I'm a bit disappointed there's going to be no Eldrazi because I'm a big fan of Eldrazi, <laughs> um, but it sounds like a lot of people are just sick of them. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the set. Yeah, for sure. All right then. So despite our week break last week, um, we are continuing our hundred dollar color challenge, and we are finishing it off. Or at least the main colours with my favourite colour, green. Mm. Not not so much Scott's favourite colour. Yeah. No, to be fair, there are some green decks that I will play. They're definitely few and far between. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think green, not primarily green, but having some kind of green in the deck is just like a common theme for me. So like Bogles, for example, mm. Monogreen Tron is also another loose example. Um, but yeah, so we're going to take a deep dive into green. Scott and I both have lists, mm-hmm. which shows you which cards you can pick up for $100 within the green colour pie. When looking at the modern metagame on MTG Goldfish, um, it was quite interesting to see how little green there is as like a primary colour, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you have like you have like Uro Piles, you have Death Shadow, which splashes green mm. for Traverse and Tarmogoyf. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Mono Green Tron, which runs eight green cards in the main board <laughs> and they're Ancient Stones and Sylvan Scrying and you know and the rest of the deck is colourless yeah. but yeah it was interesting to see and I think the most green deck we have in modern at the moment is the Grawl Midrange slash Ponza deck and even then that's mostly red and it just uses the green to ramp into like Blood Moon and Pillage ahead of the curve mm. yeah yeah. it's not it's not really a very I think the best way to describe it is that it is a support colour except unlike white it's actually good Yes, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good enabler. It's a really good enabler and it's a really good accelerator. If you've been following Magic in general over the last year, you may have heard some really busted green cards have <laughs> came out. So we've had stuff like Once Upon a Time. Um, we've got Veil of Summer at the moment, which is the most played green card in modern. Mm. And then you've got stuff like Uro as well. And yeah, like it's really interesting to see because everyone goes on about how stupid these green cards are, but they're not really making a dent in modern. Although once upon a time did get banned, we'll say that. Though. Yeah, and there was Oko. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Felt forever ago, to be honest. <laughs> and even then, they're like Simic cards, they're not independently green cards, I guess. That's fair. But yeah, so when looking at green, it's a really good support color. It's very good at doing what it needs to, which is most cases finding a particular card you need and then Mm. you can kind of go off yeah so one of the main reasons that you would play green as you said will be for ramp and fixing so you have classics like you know birds of paradise and land war elves and that kind of thing Um, but you have slightly different options that aren't available in most other formats like pioneer or anything like for example utopia sprawl where you can enchant forests make them tap for more mana that kind of thing so more permanent based ramp that aren't easily bolted 
particularly egregious with the likes of Arbor Elf, allowing you to have like four mana on turn two, that kind of thing. Um, or even when it comes to, like, like I said, that's the ramp side of it, but also the fixing side, you have like Ancient Stirrings to get colorless cards. As we all know, land cards are colorless. Uh, same with mm-hmm. Sylvan Scrying, we can go get any land we want. And then you've got well, you've got you've got some absurd green ramp kind of cards as well, like the more recent ride of the Elysian Grove and Azusa together with Primeval Titan to do really really dumb land combo-y things. Yeah, yeah, it's probably I would say the most powerful and explicit reason to play green. I would say. Yes, I agree. When you have stuff like Amulet Titan and Mono Green Tron mm. that are just... Although Amulet Titan's not very good at the moment, it's very powerful at what it does, thanks to stuff like Azusa, Dryad, and even like, Ancient Stirrings does feature in those lists. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... The thing is, with Green, it's very good at having consistency and giving you the tools to find whatever you need, whether that be a Tron piece, whether that be deploying more Simic Growth Chambers to go off of Azusa mm. and so forth. It's really powerful and very consistent. And even with stuff like Arbor Elf, you know, on turn two, you can pretty much play a Blood Moon if you wanted to, and it's just like, yeah. cool, good game. <laughs> and that's pretty powerful and modern at the moment. Yeah, for sure, yeah. One other thing that I've noticed recently, so as you know, Astrolabe was banned there a couple of months back. One thing that the five-color Niv-to-Light decks have started doing is they've started playing a for Abundant Growth in the main. Oh, really? Because, yeah, they, they ETB, they cantrip, so that's basically Arkham's Astrolabe, and then whatever land they're attached to can tap for any color, which is kind of astrolabe as well it's just it's a green permanent instead of an artifact so yeah it's very good card it's pretty decent yeah yeah it's, it's kind of great that five color niv can still survive despite an astrolabe ban and do really well it you know in front of a blood moon so that, that's, that's good to know because I, I was worried that that strategy would die out if astrolabe went yeah it's a cool it's a cool deck as well it's sweet um and have we got any other reasons to play green i personally can't think of any myself but <laughs> Well, you would say that. So another one is is a little bit different to what we've mentioned in the other colours. What green is very good at, it has very good tribal support. So we're talking about elves. If you've played Magic since the start, elves have been a a very, very strong feature of the game. Mm. And they remain probably one of the best tribes in the whole game just because the amount of options you have and just the amount of power they have. So as you know, as you mentioned a little earlier, you have stuff like Lanawar Elves and Elvish Mystic. You have mm-hmm. Arbor Elf. You have like even Elves of Deep Shadow. You know you got these really powerful one mana dorks, and you can just like Elf Ball in modern with stuff like is top and end at like Zuri. And you've got like Elfish Sight Druid, which makes more mana. Then you have you know Heritage Druid, which also makes more mana, and you can just snowball into something like a Craterhood Behemoth or an Azuri, and you can just turn sideways and win. Yeah. It's it's often more combo focused, I guess, because it's all about untapping and tapping mm. and knowing what you need to get and so forth. However, it's just very, very powerful and it's still a strategy in modern and it's pretty cheap at the moment, which we'll we'll talk about later because it yeah. is a really good budget deck. But yeah, just elves in general are pretty damn good and I think, you know, I don't think we'll see a tribe quite as good in magic. Goblins is a close second, I think. But I think elves is the number one. I, I I personally would would put goblins over them, but you know I am yeah. very anti green biased. So you know you also play goblins. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that green is good at is I kind of touched on it a little bit already. Actually, is yeah. being able to tutor. It has quite a lot of good tutors, um, particularly for lands and creatures. Um, so, for example, I said earlier, Sylvan's Crying. That's really, really good. You've also got stuff like Traverse the Elvenwald, which, if you're using it on the first couple of turns, it's probably just getting you a basic. But if you turn on Delirium, you can go get a creature as well, which is pretty sick for one mana. Um, but then you've got slightly more, let's be honest, they're more likely going into Broken Combo kind of decks, like Summoner's Pact and Court of Calling, Scape Shift. These all pretty much by themselves form sort of shells around them for a combo potential like you've you've mentioned down you've written down in our notes here uh vizier combos the devoted vizier combos yeah. like court of calling just turbo powers that um same with like summoner's pact even you know yeah also finale devastation which is one i forgot about that is a serious tutor that has gone like really expensive that's like 15 dollars a piece or something now yeah well the sparks been aggressively bought out yeah. because of all the planeswalkers and stuff because it's rotating when Zendikar comes out, so mm. a lot of the finance guys have just bought it all up, especially the Japanese stuff. 
because all the Japanese planeswalkers and whatnot. Yeah. So that's just driven the price of all like the other mythics in the set. And yeah, Finale Devastation sees no play in any other modern deck besides this one, the, the, the Devastation combo deck. And now it's just like a fifteen to twenty dollar mythic. It's quite crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's mad, all right. And then, like I said as well, one of the other big ones, big tutors or combo potential pieces being Scapeshift. Mm. We haven't really seen a whole lot of Scapeshift lately, mostly because Aether Gust just clowns on the card really, really hard. But Yeah, I think if you're playing Scapeshift, you have to play Teemo, which plays Aether Gust. Um, yeah. But even then, it's it's really loose. And if you just want to play a lands deck, it's probably Tron at the moment. Like Amulet Titan's doing okay, but Prowess just runs over it like no mm. tomorrow it's like the worst matchup yeah yeah like we've uh, like we've said already there is a lot of support potential available in green um would you like to talk a little bit further about that yes so <laughs> traditionally green is very known for enchantment and artifact removal so yes. in modern at the moment we have stuff like collector oof which is a great answer to this is a green stony silence on a 2-2 and then we have stuff like Force of Vigor, which is probably the most played force, I would say, alongside Force of Negation. Um, it's a really powerful, just versatile answer. Mm. Um, and then more recently, you've got stuff like Will, which is fantastic, which came in the Coria, which yeah. is just, you know, naturalized recycling, which is fantastic. And even then, like, Green is, you know, can deal with a graveyard in some way in the form of Scavenging Ooze, mm. which has seen constant play in Jund over the years and seen a reprint in Core 21 so it's really really cheap as well it's just a fantastic answer um, it's a very green way of dealing with things putting these effects on creatures because green's a very creature focused colour yeah, yeah it's, it's, I think I think green has some of the better sideboard options along with white I would say it's pretty up there yeah absolutely yeah it's definitely got more options in terms of like actual hard removal it definitely struggles and would probably lean pretty heavily on say like dismember I think the closest you have is beast within and that doesn't feel great yeah, and you don't really want to give your opponent a free free. So yeah, <laughs> you're playing living end, but apart from that, definitely not now. Yeah, it's it's, it's very very narrow. Yeah, uh, it's not very good at dealing. It's not very good at killing stuff, but it's very good at removing like, artifacts and enchantments. Mm. It's more better at protecting your own threat. So stuff like heroic intervention is quite good to trump out removal that's coming your way. I think that's more of a green ability than just you know. I don't think we'll ever see like a green path to Excel, for example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, and you, you mentioned Wilt there. I just gotta, just gotta little, give a little shout out to Wilt. You know, if you want to get me to so like good. a card, you just put cycling on it. Yeah, I really do like how Ikoria have just gone. Yeah, we've just put cancel with cycling. We've put this removal with cycling. They just put cycling on just generically good cards. You know, and it's yeah. it just allows you to do something. If you can't cast it, you can just trade it for an extra card, which is really really good. I run four Wilts in one Green Tron, and I have been very very happy with them. Nice. Very, very good. Um, yeah, and lastly is something that you don't often see with green, but it's also quite interesting. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, for sure. It is land hate. And to be honest, if I had to build a green deck, this is probably what I would aim towards because it's it's a little bit it's a little bit off kilter, it's a little bit weird. And I kinda like that. And that's all of the, the cards that, well, blow up lands. Uh, so you have stuff like uh, the Mwanvuli Acid Moss and like Plow Under to put like lands on top of the owner's libraries and that kind of thing. Uh, you've got actually Primal Command, which... That's a good one. Puts a non-creature permanent on top of its owner's library is one of the options. But it also, yes. again, is a, is a nice utility piece that doesn't necessarily win the game, but it has a lot of options to it so like you can gain life off it or i've had a really fun play experience with primal command against death shadow oh oh target player gains seven life yeah so my opponent had two death shadows out and i was just like yeah you you can gain seven life and you can shuffle your graveyard into your library <laughs> and just kill two death shadows and he just like essentially he just like he started the game and it was just fantastic a big shout out to primal command that's that's pretty gross that is really really gross 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's really really good. There's there's other sort of more specific things as well. Like you've got like choke, which is yes. seeing quite a bit of play at the moment, mostly because of the amulet decks that are running the Dried of Elysian Grove, which turns everything into yeah. a basic of each type, sticks all their lands down tapped forever, which is pretty nice. Mm. You have like older stuff as well, which is um, like acidic slime back in the day, which was never never good one. Yeah, acidic slime is nice. I I remember my first modern deck my first modern deck and this will tell you how long ago it was had green in it right it was an abzan unburial rights deck and one of my favorite things to bring back with unburial rights was an acidic slime now i know that it costs five and unburial rights costs either five or four depending on whether it's in your hand or your graveyard so it wasn't really that much of a discount or anything but it was just really fun I loved blowing up lands with an acidic slime. Loved it. I do. I do like blowing up lands. It's, I'm like you. I like blowing lands in unconventional ways. So doing it in like mono green control or mono green land destruction because mm. it's like plow under is just a time warp times two, and it's just so good. I always pick up a plow under in like vintage cube because you can just normally play it on like turn two. I'm like, yep, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really really good. Um, yeah. So mm. land hate, it it it's not necessarily one you'd immediately think of with green, but. It's something that green does very, very well in modern, I've got to say. And then you, you kind of see like the like the Eternal Witness command decks that can just loop primal commands and you can just keep looping lands on top of mm. your opponent's deck and they just can't do anything until you finish off with some with some sort of win condition or an Eternal Witness. Yeah. <laughs> the independently like mono green decks aren't super competitive in terms of at the top of the modern meta game, but mm. they are really good at an FNM casual level. Yeah, for sure. So we've talked about why you should play green, and there's a lot, lots of options to play green. As usual, we do have a top five of green cards you should be looking to pick up for your modern collection. I'll start mm-hmm. first. Number five is a favourite of mine, especially in standard of old, is Tireless Tracker. Yeah. If you don't know what Tireless Tracker does, it is a free mana free two. Whenever land you control comes into play, you investigate, so you make a, uh, a clue token, and that clue token has pay two mana to sacrifice it to draw a card. When you sacrifice that clue token, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. It's a mm-hmm. very, very good card. And as Scott was saying before the show, they're about $5 each at the moment, which is a fantastic price on a really good card, especially in a format where you have fetch lands, so you can really get greedy yeah. with the clue tokens and really grow your Tireless Tracker. It sees a lot of play in like Rock and Jund, or mm. more Rock than Jund, but sometimes Jund will play it because it runs all the fetch lands it can. And yep. um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tireless Tracker. I remember playing it a lot in in Eldritch Moon Standard when I played Green-Black Control. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it also sees a lot of play in Pioneer. So if you play both formats... Oh, for sure. It's uh, it's pretty good to have for, for both. So. I'll be honest, I keep forgetting Pioneer's playable again. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. It was borked for like, what, three, four months? Uh, so. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah. And I feel bad for not checking Pioneer because it's actually in a good spot again now. Yeah, yeah for, fi- for $20 for a playset, it feels really, really good. A card that's probably always going to see play just for yep. the fact that you get rewarded for playing Fetchlands. And even if you don't play Fetchlands, if you're budget conscious, it's still really good. Yeah. Just make your land make your land drops and, you know, go to town. Um, so that's our number five. Do you want to take number four? It's, uh, we talked about it earlier. We're both a big fan of it. Yes, absolutely. It is the new Naturalize with cycling. It is Wilt. Also, sharing the number four slot is Nature's Claim because depending on the type of deck that you're running, you're going to run one or the other. You'll never really run both in the same deck, but um, Nature's Claim being one green for an instant destroy target artifact or enchantment, its controller gains four life. You would tend to see this more in decks that care less about life total. Say like Dredge for example, tends to, to play a lot in uh, things like Nature's Claim. Same with Infect. You know, they, they can just go up and over and not care about the extra bit of life that you'll give your opponent, but it'll allow you to get rid of, say, like, Graveyard Hate or an Ensnaring Bridge, yeah. that kind of thing. And the difference between one and two mana in those decks is quite substantial. Massive, so yeah. It's, yes, your opponent gaining four life might seem a lot, but in, in a modern landscape, it's not really a huge amount, given how we fetch and shock a lot and, you know, we're very aggressive on our life total. Mm. So I really like Nature's Claim. I've played with it a bunch. I play it in Bogles mm. because it's a really, really cheap answer. And often or not, the four life doesn't matter because I have like a 20-20 with Trample and all the rest of it. Yeah. 
Um, I do like the additional mode that it has in Monogreen Tron. If burn is particularly prevalent, you just blow up your own chromatic spheres to gain the four life. That's quite yeah, I've nice. done that a few times. I've, I've blown up my own worm coil engines at some point as well, just to <laughs> expand my board so I can just block, you know, block more threats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 a really good card. Generally, Wilt is better because it mm. has the cycling on it. If you're either hyper aggressive strategy or you've got a very low land count, then Nature's Claim is probably better for you. Yeah, thinking of an out, Wilt might actually just be better in Dredge now because if they don't have Graveyard Hate, you've just got another way to instant speed Dredge. Yes, that's true. Hmm. Didn't think of it that way. Um, but you do have shenanigans, so I don't know which is better. Why not both? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but then you have stuff like Assassin's Trophy and Abrupt Decay. Like Dredge has a lot of good options to deal with enchantments and yeah, artifacts. for sure. I'm I'm not I'm not qualified enough to make it because I don't play Dredge. But being in those colours gives you a lot of options. As someone that bought Dredge and subsequently sold it after winning roughly <laughs> zero games, I also don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, it is the one deck I do want to play, but I just don't feel smart enough for playing it. Uh, I don't feel lucky enough to play it. it, it you got to have the right <laughs> mix between smart and lucky. Which, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely leaning one way more than the other. Probably not by a whole lot, to be perfectly honest. But sure, look. Uh, <laughs> um, I really get the feel from you, Emma, that you're 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 definitely a lot more positioned to talk about number three here feels like you might have cast your fair share of these yeah for sure so number three like number four number three is shared so we are looking at birds of paradise which doesn't see a huge amount of modern play at the moment but is an incredibly versatile card and then we got the other man dork so we've got lnr elves in the other slot hmm. of, of our number three spot just having a turn one mana dog is just such a great play because yeah. it just means you can get ahead obviously in modern you don't really see turn one unaware off that often unless you're playing elves mm. however it, it just allows you to get ahead even like like we talked about earlier like turn one arbor elf in modern is pretty great because you can just pillage someone on turn two or blood moon on turn two and you know go away with the game yeah with that if you're looking to play Pioneer, picking up a set of Elvish Mystic and Lanawar Elves is a very great foundation to get into the format because green decks are very, very good in Pioneer at the moment. Oh, yeah. So having eight dorks is a really good good starting point. Um, mm. I'm a big fan of the Golgari Stompy deck that's going around that runs the Rotting Regisol. Oh, so you yeah. can just play like a turn two, turn two seven six and discarding a card is probably <laughs> fine because you have a seven six yeah. on the board. But yeah, just having a bunch of mana dorks in your modern arsenal it's just a really good way to you know find a strategy that just cheats ahead on mana so you can either love me people play azuri ahead of curve and or whatnot it's just a it's just i think it's a really good way just to you know get into the format absolutely yeah and number two is i've casted my fair share of these i think it's probably one of the best green creature cards in modern I'll probably put it as number two. Yeah, and of course you're going to hand, hand it off to me. This is this is what happened when we were doing the red episode and we were talking about Blood Moon. Is this payback, is it? Yeah. <laughs> number two is a card that every time I've seen it land against me, I, knowing the kind of strategies that I play, I tend to curse it quite heavily. It's Scavenging Ooze. Um, Scavenging Ooze is a two mana 2-2 two, two that has an activated ability of one green to exile a card from a graveyard. And if it's a creature card, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it and gain one life. So it's just instant speed, repeatable graveyard hate. And I think that's very mean and unfair. Um I have nothing more to say about this. <laughs> no, it's it's really, really good. To be fair, it is very, very good. There are a lot of decks that run a couple of these in the main deck, a couple of them in the sideboard. Like Elves even runs it in the sideboard because they've just got an abundance of green mana so they can just keep spamming it and making a huge threat. Um, Golgari, uh, Rock and Jund and all run them as well. There's just so many places that it fits into. It's Like you said, it also goes into Pioneer it's just really really good it's in standard now as well actually i just remembered it's in standard it's like yeah, it, all the formats right now <laughs> so it's very very good like it since it's first printing it has been solid like it has never been too good it has just always been the best at what it does and it was kind of expensive for a while and when i say kind of expensive i mm. mean like it was like six seven dollars but it's dropped a bit now because of recent printings and stuff so yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of having ants like versatile answers like this just to be cheap mm. because it just pairs up as a win condition as well. If you just keep eating away at the graveyard, it's going to become like a six six and a seven seven, and that can win games on its own. Yeah, it's just I, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and not to mention you gain the life, which is pretty relevant in modern given mm. how 
we talked about earlier how you aggressive you are with your live tales. Yeah. And not to mention, modern is a very graveyard focused format. So you see stuff like Dredge and Death Shadow all the time, and even Uro, it eats Uro. Yeah. And, you know, everyone loves that card at the moment. So it's the sort of card that I'm happy it's like two or three dollars each at the moment. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just a great, versatile answer. Yeah. If it ended up going cheaper, I'd be very, very happy. Yeah. Like, I remember picking up a set of the Altar foil ones, the showcase ones, for like five dollars each, and I'm just like, nice. I'm happy with this. Yeah, I really like the art. They look really cool. Yeah. And then that brings us up to number one, and yeah. I'm gonna hand this off to you. This is a this is a card that I have strong negative feelings for. Surprise, surprise! It's a green card. I'm having strong negative feelings. It was a <laughs> recurring theme here. Have you noticed this? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you I'll let you talk about this one. <laughs> yep, so our number one, unsurprisingly, we did talk about it earlier, is Valor Summer. Um, so if you haven't played with Valor Summer or played against it, I will tell you what it does. Okay. So for a one mana instant, it reads, draw a card if opponent has cast a blue or black spell this turn. Spells you control can't be counted this turn. You and your permanents you control gain hexproof from blue and black until end of turn. So basically that reads protection from Scott and you draw a card. Yeah, I mean, less so on the black side of things, but on the blue, like, that's basically yeah. every single deck I've ever played. <laughs> um, it's a reference on Autumn's Veil, vale, which is a really, really old card, mm. which did something almost similar, but this is the best effect of that kind of card we'll ever see, probably mm. ever again. It messed up standard, it's messing up legacy a little bit as well, and it's just it's- the best sort of, no, you can't do this, so... Like force and it stops force negation. It stops cryptic command. It stops all the black removal. It's just a really, really great answer to anything that's trying to attack you, or even forces. Like it stops, mm. it stops the forces as well, which is really important in modern. And um, and you get a card out of it, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, stopping. I think that's kind of critical. Is stopping a thoughtsies and replacing itself at the same time is gross. It is disgusting. Um, do you just do the? the sheer amount it does for one mana is varying on the eight to nine dollars mark each which is quite expensive for an uncommon but it's just so unique it sees play in legacy a lot it sees Mm. play in you know in modern a lot it's pretty much in every green sideboard and it's probably one of it's the most played green card in modern just because of how powerful it is yeah and in most cases you don't want to run four of this because it is a very defensive card um so you'll see a lot of modern sideboards run no more than two or three yeah it's just I've been blown by this card so many times and it is infuriating but it's also really good to cast it yep it's one of those very polarising cards oh big time yep you're really not a fan are you uh not at all not at all I I will say one thing though is that less experienced modern players casting Veil of Summer is possibly my most favourite thing ever the amount of times that I have played Storm on Magic Online and then I go to play against my opponent in game two after they lost in game one and then I go to grape shot them for like you know 18 or 20 or whatever it is whatever's necessary to kill them and they're like in response Veil of Summer I'm like yeah that's fine and then they draw the card and then they die like I don't know why but so many people just like bring it in and go oh this is an automatic save me from losing the game card and you're not like, brain freezing people yeah exactly yeah like Grave Shot is red like they don't mention red anywhere on this card you know but um, no it's not counter any spell yeah <laughs> you gain hexproof from player I don't know like it's it's definitely not that good but it is that good. Yeah. Like, people have called it the one mana cryptic command because it technically counters a spell and draws a card. And I like, it's, they're not wrong. It's, <laughs> like, the, it's not wrong. And it's the kind of perfect example of how push green has become mm. in the color pie. Green has been known like now just to pretty much do everything. It can draw cards, it can ramp, it can play these really big threats. Yeah. And Vader Summer just kind of, is, I think it's the biggest colour pie break we've seen in some time. I don't think I've ever seen a card that's been this pushed again. It's a green cryptic one, but it kind of reads to me as a blue card. If you told me what this did, I'd be like, oh, it's a it's a blue card. Yeah. Or like a, a like a blue-white card. I would never expect this to be green. Yeah, it doesn't. like To me, stapling draw a card onto something doesn't feel inherently green, to be honest. Mm. Um, like if you take the draw a card off of this it's essentially Autumn's Veil like you said earlier Um, surprise surprise slapping draw a card onto an okay card turns it into a busted card but uh, yeah it's weird if it ends up getting banned I honestly at some stage in modern I honestly wouldn't really be that surprised 
Now I'm I know I'm I know I'm biased for green, but like it has been banned in like Standard and Pioneer. And I wouldn't put yes. a past happening in modern, to be I honest. I think Uray will get banned before by the, by the summer. I'd be inclined That's to agree. That's my shot. That's my BMCAS hot take. I think Uro will go before Vela Summer. I think I'd be inclined to agree with that. Yeah. I think Vela Summer will probably go at some point, but I think Uro is far more of an issue. I know that's a it's a discussion for a different week. Mm. Oh, yeah. But I think Uro is a far much more problematic card than Vela Summer. Mm. Yeah. And this is where, like, every, and everyone goes, like, oh, we can bring Birthing Pod back. That's absolutely fine. I'm like, I don't want to play Birthing Pod when people can back out with a Vela Summer. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> and and run Euro. And run Euro. It's just like people don't grasp like like oh this is really super old Buster card that could be fine in modern because we have Buster cards now and I'm like no don't put them all together <laughs> that makes it that makes the problem worse. I'm going on a small rant, but no. you get my point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying unbanned twin, but having three mana Teferi is fine alongside it. Mm. Like is this a, is this a thing that like whoever's hosting? just ends up on a rant is that is that like the bm cast way now <laughs> i think it's i think it's just a power trip isn't it <laughs> but yeah vela sum is great um if you can afford it i'd recommend picking up two yeah um you don't really want four because well it's yes it's a yes it's a great card i think you, you need more options in your sideboard but just having two of these is absolutely fine if you want something a little cheaper heroic interventions drop down in price quite a bit mm. which is also a nice you know your permanents get hexproof, so that kind of protects your board a little bit. You don't draw a card, but you get to protect your board state, which is pretty big and green. Yeah, I would say if you want to play green and modern, and your metagame has at least one eight rack player, then I would say yeah, consider running four. But yeah, mm. probably won't need the play set. I'd say yeah. <laughs> so that's our top five. Unfortunately, Veil of Summer's number one, but. <laughs> can't do much about it it's like you know it's like when we did the red one you know it has to be lightning bolt it kind of has to be veil of summer mm-hmm. here um so we round out with the episode on looking at cheap mono green budget decks and fortunately there's quite a few this week we're a little bit spoiled aren't we yeah a little bit um you you went to make a couple of decks and then i went to make a couple of decks and turns out that we ended up with six decks so rather than go through them all like in massive detail maybe we should like maybe categorize them a little bit or something yeah i think i think there's a li- there's quite a bit of overlap with our decks it's just yeah. they're built slightly different so i'll go first yep the first one i have is one that we Scott talked about earlier is on a greenland destruction mm. i will just say that this is a really good starting point if you want to build like Gruul midrange or ponza and you just want to get an idea of how to play a land destruction deck in modern so it kind of runs all the usual stuff. So you have stuff like Arbor Elf, you have Sakura Tribe Elder to help you ramp. And then you have stuff like Acidic Slime. And then you have Primal Command, which puts lands on back at your opponent's library. And then you have Eternal Witness to buy that back. Mm. And you can kind of loop that uh, once you have eight mana. And your opponent will never play the game again. And it's absolutely great. <laughs> um, and then you've got stuff like Plow Under, which puts two lands on top of your opponent's library. Uh, you've got Acid Moss. Um, which destroys lands as well mm. and yeah overall it's just a really good cheap way to make your opponent's life a misery really i'm a big fan yeah yeah it's pretty gross all right i like the one reclaiming vines you have on the list because it means that you're able to just deal with artifacts or enchantments just straight up um same with bramble crush yeah yeah and it's got the upside of blowing up a land as well like, i was really tempted to put wilt in there mm. but it doesn't destroy lands this build comes to about $100, which is about 35 ticks on Magic Online, which is, you know, not super expensive. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's a really cool FNM deck. Oh, for sure. In the pre-COVID times, uh, back when we were, <laughs> we were still able to go to LGS, one of the people that kept showing up to my LGS had mono green control and it was very similar to this. Uh, yeah, I've been Primal Commanded a fair few times by them. And uh, as, as, much as, as much as it should annoy me, I always found it really cool. I found this deck really, really cool. Yeah, when it comes to FNMs, and if I lose a match at FNM, like if it's something like this, I'm happy to lose to it just because it's so different. Yeah, it's like, oh, this this person who's brewed this like really ob- obscure offbeat deck is winning, and like, I'm really happy for them because mm. it's very it's off meta. It does it does something different, and you know, I'd like seeing you know those sort of decks doing really well. Yeah, so. Rounding out, you have stuff like Utopia Sprawl as well, just to help you with the ramp. Yeah. And you could probably squeeze some Garrick Wild Speakers in here as an extra Utopia Sprawl effect. Uh, Arbor Elf effect, sorry, not Utopia Sprawl. Um, just to untap some lands and, you know, yeah. get ahead. 
it's also a decent win condition because it's ultimate is basically overrun which is also quite good yeah, yeah that, that's pretty much it it's just it's a mono green you can't play the game and funny enough you you built this deck list for this episode and i built mm-hmm. a deck list for this episode and without even talking to each other about it we ended up building very very similar decks in concept at least i like how yours is built slightly differently because it includes a very excuse me it includes a very interesting package so i i went for a slightly more mono green control rather than just straight up land destruction and that's mostly because of karen the great creator this is a karen the great creator deck so it runs for karen the great creator and has a bunch of sideboard options to go and tutor up for whatever you need so either graveyard hate or like a damping sphere or a ratchet bomb or a sundering titan even in the sideboard if you really need to go big and up and over people i love how sundering titans are 50p right now it's so good it's so good i run i run my one of in mono blue tron as well i've got a one of in mono uh, green tron it's very nice i really like it yeah it's just it's just very interesting deck like it has a lot of the same pieces that you have now obviously this is much more expensive on magic online because on magic online current the great creator is like 100 ticks it's yeah it's absurd i don't know why it's as expensive as it is on there i think it's war of the spark was a set after arena's release so more people are drafting on arena and stuff rather than on magic online so fewer packs are being opened there which means that there are fewer cards so that when a card is in high demand like card the great creator they end up becoming extremely expensive i think i think that's the best way to explain that out but yeah so if you're looking to play on magic online only this is not budget it comes in at like 180 ticks but if you're looking in paper this is 140 dollars which for a pretty reasonable deck that you could absolutely go undefeated at an fnm or something you could absolutely run this so it's very similar to what you're doing it has main deck scavenging ooze it has the garrick wild speakers like you were talking about there as uh, as options it also runs wolf willow haven i do like that which card. is a two mana utopia sprawl effect um that came out in theros beyond death which is quite nice too i think it's a little more all in on the i'm going to ramp and then play a, ma- a big game ending effect in one turn kind of thing so looking at your sideboard there's one card we haven't talked about which is really good which is weather the storm yeah i really like it and i really like it i i like the fact that it has storm on it that's about it anytime i've played against it i have rage quit <laughs> sure it's really good at the moment because we're seeing a lot of prowess that yeah. just chains off all these spells and this is just a good nope card mm. um and it's kind of a unique effect because you don't see green cards with storm yeah for sure but yeah that's the that's the deck our next deck is a very classic budget deck um mm. so if you were ever to get into modern people would be like and you want to get into it on a budget and people are like oh you should play this deck because it's really really cheap it's really really aggressive and that's mono green stompy yeah um i have played my fair share of mono green stompy over the years and i think it's really really good um mm. totaling at about 80 dollars which is you know super affordable for especially in modern yeah. um all it cares about is curving out deploying threats and just turning sideways um so you have stuff like experiment one you have stuff like scavenging ooze as well for utility you even have drive militant which is a great utility creature which is really good against storm and then you're and then you're rounding out to stuff like steel leaf champion and from the last troll and you're just wanting to kill the opponent as soon as possible more importantly you have the best enchantment aura in modern which is rancor rancor is really good yeah Rancor is super good in this deck and then you have aspect of hydra which is a really good pump spell the one mana instant it's a common from original born of the gods pharos block i want to say and it's target creature gets plus x plus x uh to end the turn where x is your duration to green so you've got stuff like steel leap champion which has got three green mana uh you have stronger guys which has two green mana there's a lot of pips your aspect of hydras are going to be plus five plus five plus six plus six quite easily absolutely and yeah. your opponent is very dead very quickly it's crazy like there's not a whole lot to really say about this it's just every single creature is the highest parent toughness at that available cost in green some of them have like you said like dried militants and that kind of thing have like incidental extra abilities that sort of help give you an edge in certain matchups but the card standout card for me in a deck like this is like steel leaf champion like three mana five four that's hard to block yeah give me that all day it's just a really resilient quick deck and i'm a big fan of it because it's quite powerful and it's also quite cheap my version of an aggressive deck in green was a little bit different 
but ultimately kind of does the same thing really mm. just maybe a little bit faster but much easier to disrupt and that is i, I went for infect $50 in fact it's currently according to MTG Goldfish $48 at the moment what you want to do is just play a one or two mana creature with in fact and then put a bunch of pump spells on them turn them sideways hit them for 10 in fact they lose the game this is capable of turn two wins so if your local format is full of say Tron or Ad Nauseam or like those those slower less interactive decks then you absolutely should play this because you can easily just turn one Glistener Elf, turn two, scale up, Groundswell, they're dead. You know, There's not a whole lot to this one either, because again, it is just creatures that are extremely dangerous and then ways to make them even more dangerous. And that, that's kind of it. It doesn't like interacting with stuff. It's extremely un- non-interactive. The easiest way to beat this deck, honestly, is just run a few Fatal Push or Path to Exiles and then like it's screwed. But if that's not something that your, your metagame really plays much of then you will just go undefeated time and time again. Yeah. One thing I do like about this list, which we kind of see in in, in optimized mm-hmm. Infect list, is the addition of scale-up. Yeah. I really like that card. It came from Modern Horizons, and it's just a really great way just to push through that damage. So it's a one-mana sorcery that makes you that makes your creature a 6-4-1. Yep. Often or not, you're not going to cast Overload on, in Infect. It's very unlikely, but it's nice to have the option. Scale-up, yeah, particularly gross because... If you compare it to dealing normal damage, it's like turning your creature into a 12-4 for one mana. Yeah. Um, and lastly is one we talked about earlier. Can't have the episode with no elf <laughs> decks. So we both we both have an elf deck, unsurprisingly. Yes. Um, mine's a little different because I've, ad- I've kind of cheated and added a second colour. <gasps> um, I've, I've, <laughs> I've gone for Golgari elves, which is more in line to what is currently played in modern because yeah. you have stuff like Sharma the Pact which is a really really good way to close out the game this build is, comes about $140 it might be a bit more on the budget side but it really sets you up to build optimised Golgari Elves in the future and yeah. um, so it includes all your usual suspects so you have your Elvish Mystics you have your Lanoir Elves you have an Elves of Deep Shadow as well because you can play that because the black is quite relevant mm-hmm. um, and then you have stuff like Dwinnan's Elite Elvish Clan Order as a Lord you've got Elvish Archdruid as a Lord um, you have your two Azuri as well to get off your calling callings. Due to the price of collector company at the moment, I'm not running that because it's really, really expensive. Yeah. Um, so we've got Free Lead the Stampede, which does a good enough job. Yeah. I have included four quarter calling because thanks to Double Masters, that got reprinted, so they're like $4 each at the moment. That's nice, good. yeah. And then the lands are your Lanawar Waste and Unclaimed Territories to cast your L's. You've got Blooming Marsh as well, which is really good in this deck because you're running a low land count because you have so many dorks. Yep. And then I've added the one-off Westfail Abbey because more often than not, you will have enough L's to sap off to have a 9-7 demon. Yeah, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, it's just a just a big enough threat. It's If, you, if you're in a board store and you can't get your Azuri from a cord or you haven't drawn it, you can just sap off your board, have this 9-7 indestructible lifelinker and you pretty much win the game. Does clean elf stuff. <laughs> clean elf stuff. Sacrificing all of them to yeah. demons. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you can't get your Sharmila packed, it's just a, it's just nice to have a land that can just be your get out of jail free card. Big yeah. one of those kind of options in modern. When it came to my elf deck, it was very similar. I didn't splash the black for it, but it's. I think if you're looking to enter modern on a lower budget, like normally we, we go like 100 to 150 thereabouts for, for modern entry. I went for a much lower one, and that is $75 for a mono green elves deck. It runs a lot of the same creatures. Uh, we're not running any specialty lands or anything. It's literally just 18 forest because that's all you need to cast elves. And it's still got all of the good cards from elves. Like it still has Heritage Druid. It's still got Elvish Clan Caller. It's still got Elvish Arse Druid. Uh, it's running Elvish Champion, which is one that you don't see a whole lot, but it's a three mana two, two Lord. It's literally a creature type Lord. And it says all elves get plus one, plus one and have forest walk, which may be relevant in some matchups but on the whole it's just a three mana lord effect so um and then you also have imperious perfect in here as well which is another lord so rather than trying to do the sort of combo kill with the shaman of the pack it just makes absolutely massive chunky elves and just beats face so it kind of starts as like 
creature based ramp and then just turns into well suddenly my creature based ramp are now all like the creatures from mono green stompy where they're all just like really really cheap but really really big yeah i do like how imperious perfect can make elves as well and in mm. most cases she's going to make four fours or five fives just due to the amount of lords you have so that's a really nice option to have yeah for sure i didn't run court of calling in this one because we're not really needing to tutor up any sort of specific creature but we do have four lead the stampede which is nice to refuel mm. against um removal heavy sort of matchups like jund and that kind of thing in the sideboard i went for four autumn's veil instead of throwing in veil of summer mostly because it saves you roughly 90 percent of the cost so <laughs> a lot of money yeah absolutely like the, it doesn't draw the card but you know like if you had the money like we said earlier get the veil of summer but autumn's veil is fine too um what's nice about elves as well though is that they also get to run reclamation sage and yes. and actually just get additional benefit from it also being an elf which is quite nice if I was to pick any of the decks to start off in modern, I personally would probably go with this Mono Green Elves deck because it's just fun. You know, it's a classic. Mm. It's one of those easy to play, hard to master kind of strategies. You know, you need to be able to sort mm. of plan it out and stuff like And Dana Fisher, you know, child elves prodigy, she clowns people on the regular with elves. And elves is not considered a high tier meta deck or anything, but she just murders people with it, you know. And that just goes to show the, the level of, of play and skill that is involved in a deck like this. With that, you can upgrade as you go as well. Yeah, absolutely. I do think it's one of those decks that if you just put the reps in, you'll just be, you'll just be really, really successful with it. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those sort of strategies that we don't see often, but if you just come across someone who's a master with it, you're going to get trounced. Yep, absolutely. put in that time. Yeah. One thing that uh, I used to love playing against before Faithless Looting was banned was Elves, because Arclight Phoenix was the best match, had the best matchup against Elves. Oh, Thing in the Ice was great against well, it. Well, Thing in the Ice was great, but also when, when your opponent's like tapping all their creatures in order to generate some mana to play another few small creatures and stuff and you're sitting there with a bunch of bolts and like gut shots and everything you're like this is fine mm-hmm. and then the birds fly over everything and nothing has reached like oh, I was it was like the ideal match but I quite liked it with Aldrazi Tron just because Chalice on one was really good mm. and also all this dust was really really good yeah it's just like yeah I could have the smash up every day and be fine with it yeah yeah th- this is also nice to, to be able to upgrade because you can upgrade to your list which is the $140 one. And then from there, like you said, you can take it further. You can start adding Cavern of Souls once you get them and that kind of thing and just build up from there. Yeah, I think I think if you're interested in playing a tribal strategy in modern, which is a pretty good way to go, to be honest, mm. I think Elves is the best way to do it. Yeah. And that would be my starting point. I'm partial to Monogreen Stompy, but I am biased. So <laughs> I really like a good Stompy deck. I would also be interested in doing Monogreen Stompy just because some of the cards do transfer to Pioneer, so you can build that in pioneer and play in modern as well for sure yeah i'm a big fan of getting mileage from cards from various formats so that's my line yeah (laughs) right so that is our mono green deck options that you can pick up if you fancy to play mono green on a budget as a result that ends our hundred dollar color modern challenge and we've done one of each color now scott yeah hooray we're gonna have to do one for each guild (laughs) well i'm thinking artifacts and lands next at some point they're gonna be big ones it's gonna be a good one if you want to see any of our deck lists that we talked about in this episode, you can do so in the show notes and you can see our separate lists on what green cards to pick up for under $100. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast. If you have any questions, comments or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BMCast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud and support us over at patreon.com slash budgetmagiccast. We'll be back next week to give you more bang for your buck. <laughs>